Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. This is editor Pat Prince. And we're going to, here we are with Dave Thompson, our longtime writer. Probably our, you've been with, uh, out of all the writers, you've probably been with us the longest, but I, I regress. And uh, sorry for my cold. Surely been, you digress. If you're regressing. Oh, yeah, part, I digress. It's going to be interesting. Right. I, I regress. Uh, yeah. Hey, kids, let's all sit here and watch Pat regress. Yes. Well, I have, you know, this head cold is uh, hitting me hard. So, but we wanted to go on with the show anyway. So, but one thing to talk about, unfortunately, uh, Jeff Beck has passed away. And from meningitis, which was really shocking. Um, I don't even know how one gets meningitis, but. Uh, you don't want to know. Well, I thought it was from a head injury and then it kind of gets infected, but who knows? Um, it's just sad and tragic. I mean, he was 79, but the guy was so um, active, enthusiastic, uh, putting out a lot of stuff and jamming with a lot of people. Um, I don't know if you like his newer stuff, uh, Loud Hailer, which was... Out Loud Hailer was his best album in years. Yeah, that was 2016, and they put out 18 with Johnny Depp, which yeah. a lot of people liked. Um, yeah. I thought it was good. Uh, one of our writers gave it one of the best albums of last year. But he's what I liked about Jeff was he was always active, and he was always yeah. jamming with people. He, he had this passion for playing that that lasted since the mid-60s. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um you know, some musicians just go through the motions, you know, but he had the gift and talent too. So, but what we want to do here is the top five Jeff Beck songs. Um, mine, Dave, are trapped pretty much in the late 60s, um, post Yardbirds. I, I love the Jeff Beck group. Um, yeah. 
So I'll lead off with All Shook Up. It's from his Beckola album. And I mean, the song, the guitar licks take over that song. And of course, there's Rod Stewart. And then you have um, Nicky Hopkins on piano doing a boogie woogie thing throughout. And one thing that's not also mentioned as much as Ron Wood's bass is pretty damn powerful uh, throughout. But it's Jeff Beck's uh, nuances on guitar. Um, you know, it's written by Otis Blackwell, which, you know, for those who don't know, um, wrote Great Balls of Fire, Breathless. Um, he's He co-wrote some songs with um, other Elvis writers, but uh, that's my, that's one of my top faves. Um, and I would say, how about you? What would you... I was going to say, it's funny because Beckola is an album that really really disappointed me really uh, yeah i mean when I, I wrote a book about the jeff beck group gosh 15 years ago now um and i talked to jeff for it and you know various other people and it was great up until like that post-truth period and mm. then like listening to live tapes and then you know outtakes and stuff and it's like you could just tell beck getting closer to closer closer and closer and i was getting more and more so can i stop now please but i couldn't um so i am going to be really 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 predictable and say bex bolero uh yeah that's one of my choices too uh, for truth um did can you believe that was a b-side of uh um yeah but putting it out as an a-side would have been a little silly was it because and, it was an instrumental you think yeah and you know, it wasn't Love is Blue, which was his hit instrumental. Hi Ho Silver Lining, which I, I wasn't a big fan of. Oh, Hi Ho Silver Lining is great. That's I liked the it. Inside. I liked it when I was a nipper, but then it was reissued. I was still a nipper, actually. I was, it was reissued when I was like 12 or 13 in Britain. And um, it was great. You'd go to you know, school and youth club dances. And everybody was doing these insane high kick, leaping around to hi-ho silver lining. I've got such a soft spot for that song. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for Bex Bolero from that period. Well, it's a, I'm surprised you don't like Beck Ola. I, I also like the lead song, Spanish Boots. Um, <laughs> it has much boogie-woogie piano, but it's a hard blues rock. I think because it wasn't truth. And it's like when you've released an album like Truth, yeah, it's very, very difficult to follow it up, I mm. think. Um, which is why, you know, Zeppelin One, which was basically a photocopy oh, of truth, they yeah. then followed it up with, you know, Zeppelin Stodge. It's like, oh good, whole lot of love. Yum. Oh, I love that song, but we'll digress instead we digress instead of regress yes let's digress this time so and the other thing with bex bolero you know it's got page on it it's got keith moon yeah it's uh, just it just yeah. sounds so riotous and so exciting it must have been i mean if you want to think they recorded it live in the studio and it must it would have been like the most exciting moment in history it is a great instrumental, and but I think one that's more popular that is on my list on that album is uh, I, Ain't, I Ain't Superstitious, which it's a classic song, and it's really, 
Beck's guitar sound on there is a standout. Yeah. Um, I don't know that's if you've got any of this. That's why Maurice's guitar sounds like he's being sick. <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> like my voice, yeah. It's but it's fantastic to listen to. Hmm. Um, do you think that um Rod Stewart added to the X making these songs excellent? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was Truth was a true band album. I yeah, think. it was the first, really, to be named. Wasn't it the first to be named a Jeff Beck group? Well, it was his first album, so it didn't really have a choice. Well, no, but one album just had Jeff Beck. Um, yeah, but he. It, Truth yeah, was it, it was taken, you know, like this. The is Jeff a, Beck albums came later, as the first four, I think, were yeah. all Jeff Beck group. Um, I didn't truth. really like his fusion, jazz fusion period, even though it was brilliant guitar, mm-hmm. and that's blow by blow and wire. Did you were you a fan of that? No. Yeah. And that was the. I mean, that was the only other funny thing for me because you know, loved high ho silver lining found truth in like some local junk shop really cheap loved that and it was just around the time blow by blow came out so i was really excited to hear this and it was like ooh, i don't like this much and then whatever the album after that i'll get a lot of crap for this but even when i listened to it 10 years ago i felt the sound felt it sounded dated yeah um, um, I sounded, mean, his guitar is perfect. I mean, he could play the phone book. And it was yeah, fun. but I mean, the composition, you know, the music itself, the production, it sounded dated. Um, yeah. I get, I get, you see a lot of comments on uh, Goldmine social media saying, picking out these two albums, and that's fine, but um, they're great guitar work. But sometimes, you know, you have guitarists doing phenomenal guitar work. But it just, you know, I'm not, it's not a go to album for me. No, I will admit the version of She's a Woman on Blow by Blow has grown on me. Ah. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but it's not in this top five, is it? it would, if I had to pick out songs from different albums, it would probably sneak in there on default. Ah. So I think we've got two of yours. And uh, what's your third top five? Um, my third would be, it's not by him, it was his guest appearance with Bowie at Hammersmith Odeon in 73, where they did Gene Genie. Oh. Um, just the the interplay between him and Ronson. I mean, it's like Beck was such a on-my-own guitarist, apart from that brief period in the Yardbirds with Jimmy Page. To see him actually on someone else's stage with someone else's red-hot guitarist just fighting for their lives against one another. It's phenomenal. Hmm. And it's also responsible for one of my favorite Jeff Beck stories, which was I asked him once, and God, this was like 40 years ago or something, why he always stopped footage of himself appearing at that concert from being released. And he said, you know, do you want the honest answer or the musician answer? It's like, oh, honest answer, please. I hated the trousers I was wearing. <laughs> and I loved that. But I, um, early 90s, I think it was, I was doing a Bowie piece for Goldmine. And I put this in. You know, Jeff Beck says, the mail I got from people 
you know, Jeff would never say that. Jeff loved his trousers. Jeff loved all his trousers. He would never be so unprofessional as to stop you looking at him in his trousers. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. He was, that's what he, told me. he was very fashion conscious. He, he yeah. looked cool. Even and so, at 79, I mean, I would never pick my father to look ever look that cool at in the 70s, you know, but here's Jeff Beck. Like a few years 20. later, a few years later, I was talking to him again. And I said, okay, is it true about the trousers? He said, yes. Have you ever seen the footage? And it's like, well, actually, no, because you won't let it out. He said, when you see that footage, you will know why I didn't want it released. And oh sure enough, I mean, he was he was right. They were, you know, in a world of big flares. Oh. They were um, pretty flary. Well, he was wearing big flares on, you know, wired blow by blows. So. Yeah, these ones are worse, I think. <laughs> Did but you... yeah, that performance, um, I think if anyone ever says, you know, why was Jeff Beck the greatest guitarist? It's like, you, you play that. And why was Mick Ronson the second greatest? Same thing. Well, were any Yardbird songs on your list? Oh, all of them. No, but I mean here for the top five, Jeff. Um, you know, Shapes of Things, uh, yes. Over Under Sideways Down. I mean, so many. Um, I kind of skipped the Yardbirds on this because that's a completely separate conversation. Well, what's weird for me is my last pick, and you probably hate me here because I, I love that, the Shapes of Things by the Yardbirds. Um, but on Truth... It has almost like a grunge sound with the pop sensibilities scraped yeah. out. It. It, it, it's wonderful sounding. Also, um, a great version. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, you know his lead even is you know because I think it's well it's shorter in the Yardbirds version and it's more traditional. I would say sort of in that less is more tradition. Yeah, melody, and then but in this version, it goes off into a jam. I love that, and really, the great thing about covers is when you can't really—it's different. It's really different from the original. Um, and you know, I love the time, original. But when I heard this, I was like, "Wow!" At the same time, it's totally recognizable. Yeah. Um. um by Talking. the way, you ever see the Yardbirds video shapes of things where um, they're like in a sports stadium and Jeff yeah. Oddly is kneeling in the grass the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird, but I yes. guess. Who, who knows what was in the water that day? Who the hell directed things in the 60s, you know? <laughs> um, so what's your next few... Those are my songs. What are your next few songs? Okay, well, sticking with covers, Race with the Devil from Crazy Legs. Ah. Um, I mean, you talk about his version of All Shook Up, you know, great classic rock and roller. Right. Uh, Race with the Devil. In fact, pretty much anything off Crazy Legs is great. But that one, I think it was the opening track. And it's like, oh, God, a new Jeff Beck album after, you know, Jeff's work, guitar workshop and a few real clinkers. And you put that on, and it's just like, oh my god, he's back. Mm. Um, 
fabulous album, fabulous version, and probably the only person who can sort of outdo Gene Vincent at a Gene Vincent song. Right. And my last one, because I have five for some reason, my last one would be Revolution Will Be Televised from Loud Hailer. Oh, good one. I, you know, I didn't, I like that album a lot, but like I said, I'm trapped in the late 60s, early 70s when it comes to my favorite Jeff Beck stuff. Which um, is very easy to do because a lot of his, I mean, for someone who is as great as he is, not all of his albums were, I'm going to play this forever and treasure it and sleep ooh. with it. Um, a lot of them were, so, okay. I mean, there's that run in the early 2000s, all of which were great when you first heard them, things like Who Else and You Had It Coming and Jeff, um, all those sort of albums, which were great the first time you played them, but then you go back to them and it's like, Mm, not quite so great. I don't understand why fans pick the jazz fusion era over everything else. Because that's where he really showed what a great guitarist he was. And he wasn't reliant, unlike you know some of his peers. I see what oh, you're saying. So like he wasn't imprisoned by the song itself, the melody. Yeah. Um, I mean, even that album with um, Ian Hammer, the live album, which I really cannot stand. But on the occasions I sort of accidentally hear bits of it, it's always, you know, the guitar is what you notice more than, you know, Jan Hammer or anyone else. It's like just that guitar and it's doing things that, how does it even do that? Did you like his uh, work that. with <laughs> Apathy and Bogart? I beg your pardon? Did you like his work with Carmine Apathy? Not madly. No, I mean, I like Beck when he's sort of rocking and doesn't have other musicians who are also sort of part of the show. I see. One, one's that, yeah, because Carmine's a great drummer, but he's in that sort of John Bonham. Yeah, he does let you know he's a great yeah, uh, drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody like Beck, I think, was always best when they were the focus of attention and they shone and he wanted to do songs as opposed to just be a great guitarist. Speaking of which, I mean, you're not really the center of attention, even if you're Jeff Beck when you're playing with Johnny Depp, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> you think he'd be used to it from when he was with Rod Stewart. Yeah. A lovely story. They played, I think it was their first gig in the U.S., and you know they were backstage, and the record company comes in, and they walk out to Rod Stewart and say, "Great gig, Jeff." Yeah. <laughs> he will. He always had it. I only interviewed him once, but he was hilarious. He always had yeah. a great sense of humor. Um, yes, and not at all. <sighs> he was kind of humble. Yeah, that's that's the word I was looking for. But I kept thinking of Steve. You know, I was reading one, uh, I forget it was, it was a band back in the 60s that toured with the Yardbirds. I remember when he quit the Yardbirds. So this member, I can't remember the band, but it's it's in Goldmine online. He called, uh, he thought Jeff Beck was arrogant. And I was like, really? I don't remember, you know, him being arrogant. And he had his moments. 
Um, back in the, I think he was on that tour with the Yardbirds. I think he was probably a mental mess. Yeah. So what came off as arrogance was probably just an artist that was in transition and was troubled by the, you know, what he, the position he was in. I think he also wasn't the greatest fan of the star syndrome, which he uh, very much got caught up into. Um, during the 80s, a uh, paper I was working for in the UK, um, I had the chance to do a Jeff Beck interview. And they were like, yeah, okay. And then the word came down from Beck's people. Um, Jeff doesn't, you know, Jeff wants the cover. Okay. Um, but he doesn't want to appear on the cover. He wants you to put on a picture of his cars. No. <laughs> and that was it. The interview didn't happen. I mean, he stuck to it. So was that him? I don't know. That was well. Again, a few years later, I was you know I'm talking to him, and I said, you know, we almost talked back in '83, '84. But you wanted your cars on the cover. Said, oh yeah, I went through a phase of that. I didn't want to be, I didn't want my picture taken. I thought my cars were a lot better looking. That's funny. That's a good and it's story. Like, yeah, and you can look at it. You can look at it as really arrogant because oh no, I'm so important. You can just put my car on the cover like Elvis, and I'll be a star. Well, and also the, the other side of it, which was right. I hate having my picture taken. Well, he put out this. <laughs> great book by genesis publications hmm. um where it's it, it's about i think it's called hot rods and rock and roll yeah and it's all pictures of his cars and his guitars yeah i liked <laughs> it and i'm not a car enthusiast but his passion was so great yeah that, that i liked it um you know he just i don't know how many cars he owned up until his death but Probably, he was probably, really yeah. into it he had a very big garage. I'm sure he did. Garage. Like Jay Leno um, type fascination with the with cars. But I think his were all, they were racing cars, right? I don't think they were, um, from what I saw, um, not necessarily like Jay Leno who collected, you know, every, you know, anything, you know? I didn't know that about Jay Leno. Actually, I don't know anything about Jay Leno. Yeah, he's a huge car collector, but uh, we digress. Yes, I don't know if Jeff would really like to be compared to with Jay Leno, but but you know, I think the thing with Jeff Beck is, I think he would have been playing till he was a hundred. I don't know. Oh yeah, would have given up. Even if he was, you know, like BB King in a wheelchair. You know, these guys looked up to these blues guys that played till they were like. Uh, handicapped and old and they didn't care if they had to be wheeled out on, the, on stage they would play for the love of it and i think keith richards feels the same way and i think the greatest you know you mentioned the stones but i think the greatest tribute to jeff beck as a musician and his career is you know you hear oh the stones are touring again oh god aren't they ever going to stop the who are touring again oh please i thought they had all stopped uh jeff beck's touring cool there was well, no sort of no one ever felt that Jeff Beck should stop. Well, and, he had, like I said, it was this enthusiasm, and he yeah, he looked really healthy for his age, and that's yeah. why it was so shocking. I never would have had him on a Deadpool, you know. No. I mean, 
but you know then you look at what got him and it was you know just you know a stupid bug yeah it really was you know it, bad it, unlucky you yeah know, just, yeah you yeah it wasn't, it wasn't old it. age it wasn't you know a silly accident falling down the stairs it wasn't any of those things that i guess we expect to take our right. 60s and 50s icons the sad uh, thing, Dave, is our heroes are going to start, you know, passing yeah. away. It's a sad oh, fucking realization. They are. Um, a sadder question, which I don't know if we want to get into, is once this generation have gone, um, are we gonna are we gonna feel the same way when, say, the eighties crowd hit that point? I, I can't answer that um, no. because you know it didn't mean the same to us as it did to people who were our age I, just, I so, won't feel the same because these are the artists that turn me on to music yeah um there's gonna there's a whole generation coming up who for whom it was you know the 80s acts that turned them onto music and, and except for the I would even say, except for the new wave, everyone else kind of sold out in the eighties. New mm, wave was kind of natural. That's but, a little harsh. It's, that says more about the age of the person saying it than it does yeah. music. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like new music, and it's like, yeah, we all hate new music, but really, it's because we're not thirteen years old and getting um, onto music. Well, the weird <laughs> thing is, is I I like a lot of. Um, you know, indie rock or what I hear a lot of the old artists in these uh new bands that people don't they don't point out. That's know? not necessarily a good thing though, is it? Because you know, in the seventies, yeah, you heard bits of the blues and things, but people, you know, you didn't hear older artists in right. the Beatles, the Stones, the Yardbirds. You heard bands that were pushing ahead gallantly and you know sod what anyone says we are going to triple track the sitar and play it backwards but isn't it interesting how all these bands kind of started out kind of worshiping the elders right doing a lot of covers mm -hmm. you know like the first three stones album which i love you know was more like in a way tribute albums but then they they totally took off after that not not for they never forgot their influences, but it's like they just springboarded into another. But you uh, know, that's because they were, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. They loved the blues. They wanted to play yeah. the blues. And there was really no other bands around you could take whose example you could take, with the exception of the Beatles who came in after the Stones had got going. There was no one interest. To me, it's no interesting how it was a British that really did the best at promoting the blues in, from America. Yeah, but it's always been give and take. I just wrote a book about the child ballads, which is you know big in the folk world. And they're all English and Scottish ballads of many, many centuries ago. And the biggest influence on making them popular was an American. Yeah. Yeah, who sat down, you know, child himself was a Harvard professor. So it was like he was the Rolling Stones of Victorian folk. 
<laughs> yeah, it's weird how music works. I, I don't know. You know, everything's cyclical right now. Um, hair metal is big. <laughs> so you have to wonder what's next. Will grunge come? Grunge never went uh, away. But I don't, uh, know if, I don't know if grunge could really come back because... Never went away. It's still popular. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been. still out there, but it's not as grungy as it used to be. It needs to get grungier. Maybe the Starship era, we built a city, will come back. Oh. Yeah. No, no uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm waiting for the you know, Banana Rama revival. There you go. No, that, that's not sarcasm. You truly like them. <laughs> yes, I do. I would never be sarcastic about them, about Banana Rama. Someone, a reader asked me, does Dave really like Banana Rama, or is he being <laughs> sarcastic? I was like, you decide. It's kind of like you know, I won't give away Dave's secrets. I am rarely sarcastic, and I do love Banana Rama. <laughs> I also love the Shangri Las. You know, there's there's a link. Ah, that's true. Well, anyway, that's those are our top Jeff Beck songs, and I'm sure, um, you know, we'll get uh, emails from readers. I was going to say letters; those days are gone. Um, saying how great we missed out on the jazz fusion should be listened to, but um, I think if you stay in the late '60s, '70s, you're pretty much gonna your ears are gonna thank you. <laughs> Um, and we did miss out People Get Ready with Rod, but another That's, day, another top five. I was never really into that song, but okay. It was a great song. It was a great guitarist and a great vocalist and a great reunion. Yeah, great um, reunion. But, yeah, uh, shame about the production. And it was it really was the wrong time for them to do it. Yeah, well, anyway, I'm going to really miss Jeff Beck uh, being around, yeah. especially the big thing, how he collaborated with others. You know, he always was full of surprises, um, whether it was Johnny Depp or uh, Loud Haler with the two young musicians he played yeah. with. Um, so I'm, I'm really not only going to miss his talent, but his, you know, his enthusiasm for making music. Man. Yeah. But um, anyway... Our next talk might be about your next book, right? That's not out till July. Well, gosh, we July. The child ballads is out in July. Here's okay. a good note for you: all your books have sold out in a gold mine shop. Yes, but you only got one copy of each in and bought it yourself. <laughs> not true, but I bought them actually. Um, good. That's nice to know. Yeah. Um you should you should stock more. Well the grunge diaries sold out the quickest. So yeah. That was a good that was a good diary of those years because not many people write about living through that, but no. Um that's why I did it. And not many people give credit to all the hundreds of bands that weren't the ones we all think of. Yeah, and you also mentioned the tragedy that was Mother Love Bone, which is... Well, you have to. I yeah. think if I had you know, a goal from the grunge period, it'd be to establish Sky Cries Mary and Jessamine um, and the Wasters as you know, three very big, important bands. 
Well, this has nothing to do with Jeff Beck, but it's a good way to end it. And we yeah. look forward to your your constant writing for Goldmine. But I didn't realize it was July till the next book. But yeah, so this, we should do something about, I don't know, Paul McCartney. Oh, we'll think of things. We'll surprise people. But anyway, thanks so much. And yes, thank you very much. This has been Listeners, don't forget to go to goldminemag.com and and explore exclusive content that's not in print. But in-depth articles in print, you could go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, pick up the issue. It looks fabulous, and Dave, the print issue, doesn't it? Yes. So, and it's bi-monthly now. Um, and you can go to the uh, shop.goldmymag.com and buy exclusives uh, from our store. You know, vinyl variants and exclusive bundles that we put together or I put together, I curate. How about that, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> You're a curator. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm many things. I wear many hats. But right now I'm just trying to survive this cold. Well, everybody, before we go, let us all wish Pat a quick recovery, good health, so that he no longer sounds like a character from the Muppets. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I'll talk to you soon. Man. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> Bye.